Welcome to Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose. In today's episode, have you ever sat there and thought about the people in your lives, either relatives or people in your community, and wondered why they're part of your life, or you cross paths with different people, or why some people are odd? Well, Sharon's going to discuss that in this next episode. Why do we choose the partners that we do? And why do some of us keep repeating the same mistakes over and over when it comes to finding a romantic partner? Well, don't worry. Sharon's going to help us break the cycle and be more aware of why we choose the people we choose to have relationships with. So let's get started. Well, hello again. Here we are with another episode of Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose. And I appreciate having you guys here. I appreciate you listening. Today, we're going to talk about those people in your world. You know, the, well, yeah, you tell me, have you ever had a friend that you befriended and all of a sudden they just kind of changed and they became this weird person? Or have you got somebody that you grew up with that you just kind of go, how come I ended up with that person? Have you ever had a boss that came across real sweet and nice when you were hired and then turned into an ogre. There's a lot of, uh, and being married, marriages, marriages are huge. And when it comes to relationships, let's face it, we don't have any kind of guidebook. We have to use our instincts, our intuition. We have to use our psychic selves. I mean, there's lots of guidebooks out there that say, oh yeah, here, you read this or take this course or do this and you'll be an expert in relationships. I can tell you from experience that that's not the case. And let me tell you why that is. Because we're human. We're so having a human experience, but we're human primarily. When it comes to relationships, that's the part of us that engages a lot. We look at the emotional impact someone's having on us, the mental impact they're having on us, the physical impact. I mean, are they hot? Are they not? (laughs) And then we look at the spiritual impact. But growing up in a capitalistic, materialistic culture like we have, it's really come down to the emotional, mental, and the physical. And then the spiritual tends to come in a little bit afterwards, unless you're an aware, enlightened, a little bit awake kind of person. And relationships for humans are courses. (laughs) That's a funny way to put it, isn't it? They're courses. They're like a learning ground for you to grow. And so if you want to learn how to have a good relationship, the best way is dive right in. Dive right into what you think is going to work, but then do your homework. Always take a minute to step back and say, why? When something goes wrong, say, why? When something impacts you, say, why? Or why me? Or why now? Or why this? Or, and then after that, the question is, what do I need to know? So let me give you some examples. When I married my first husband, he is a wonderful man. And by the way, to this day, he is one of my best friends. I adore him. I absolutely adore him. But we were not really designed to be married to one another. However, being married to him, I learned so very, very much. And let me tell you how that all started out. When we met, I met him through his brother, who was already a friend of a group that I was hanging out with. And when we met, I didn't believe they were brothers, but I thought, wow, this guy's really sexy. Does that sound shallow? Uh Uh-huh. It sure does, because that was me back then, way back then. 
I was shallow. I was all about the physical. I didn't even pay attention to what the emotional balance was with anybody or what their mental process was or what their state was mentally. I was all about the physical. And oh, he is such a good looking man. He still is today. And he's still a good friend of mine. He is married again. And I love his wife. And he gets along well with my husband. So we're all good. However, when we met, I wasn't looking at any other capacity except the physical. And there was another component that was going on as well. I had not had really strong, any strong relationships with family. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have children. But more than anything in the world, I wanted someone to love me. And I felt terribly unlovable. I was 19 years old. I was 18 when I met him. I just was so insecure. And I, when I look at 18-year-olds today, I kind of go, oh, well, no wonder you were insecure. 18-year-olds are insecure. It's the way it is. I think I was a little bit, a little wacky compared to a lot of them. I wasn't very well balanced. And it's because I came out of an environment where I did not feel appreciated. I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel wanted. And I came away with some crippling thoughts like I was stupid. I was ugly. I had nothing going for me. I was a loser. I was just a bum. And if I didn't have a relationship, then I was really, truly unloved. Some of that's generational, but some, because I'm a baby boomer, but some of it is also about the way that I grew up and the way I formed my ideals around who I was and what my identity was. So I meet this man who's really good looking. Now, I think he's really good looking and he's funny. And I actually honestly cannot tell you what the qualities really were in him because I didn't pay attention to that. All I decided to do was set my cap on him. I decided because when I got to know a little bit more about his family, I realized he had this big family, a whole lots of people. And I thought for sure that if I married him, somebody in the family would like me. Now that's kind of pathetic, isn't it? And it's a stupid reason to marry anybody. But that was one of the things I was looking for. I was incredibly lonely. I had just not that long before I met him, gotten on a Greyhound bus with a suitcase and crossed the Rocky Mountains from one province to the other. And I never looked back. So I didn't have family around me at all. I had absolutely no one. I was rebuilding my world. And he was the first steps I took. That might sound really funny to a lot of people, but I can tell you this. When we met, it was in the wintertime. 1970. So I met him around 1970. And then in 1971, in the spring, I went on a trip to Hawaii with my cousin, uh, a friend of mine, and, and he and I were dating. And I went on this trip and I had so much fun. And while I was in Hawaii, um, you know, I got into a little bit of mischief. I mean, it was, um, it was in March. And so there was the Green Beer Day, whatever that one's called, that happened while we were there. And the military were all over Hawaii. So they were just partying it up everywhere. And we met people and I went on a motorbike tour around the island. And there was all kinds of things that I, that I did. And you would never have known when I went on that trip that I had a boyfriend back home. Now, those weren't the days of promiscuity. I wasn't that girl. I was, well, I mean, somewhere, but I wasn't that girl. I was kind of, I was known as the ice queen. So I wasn't all that friendly, I guess. So it wasn't a promiscuous trip that I was on. It was just a flirty a bit. And when I got back home, he picked me up at the airport. And when I got back home and a week later, he proposed to me to marry him. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, this guy, well, I knew he was stable. I knew that he had a good job because he worked in the family business. I liked a lot of his family. And I knew that if I married him, I'd have a big family that would have my back. 
And so I said, yes. And so we got married the following August. We got married in 1972. And our marriage lasted for seven years. By 1979, everything had fallen apart. And I never took the time when everything fell apart. Now, by this, this time, we've got two boys as well. And I never took the time to really look at why did I marry this guy besides wanting to have a big family? That was front and center. I saw that coming. I knew that. I was excited about that. But again, there was also another cultural difference too, because I grew up in English Canada and he was primarily French Canada. And so there was some cultural challenges there as well. I always prided myself because my father was French. My mother was Irish. And I always prided myself on the fact that I was French and that I could speak French a little bit. We weren't allowed to speak it at home, but I was able to speak it a little bit with what I had learned in school and my French teacher loved me. And so I thought I was a real full-blown Frenchman. Well, move into a community where primarily the language is French. And, and I did. I lived in a very small community that was primarily French in Alberta. I didn't speak French fluently enough to be able to communicate with some of the people who didn't ever learn to speak English. And those are primarily the older people like his mom and his aunts and, and the older people. And I got along with his mom great. She managed to teach me how to cook and can a lot of food. She was an amazing cook, amazing canner. And I absolutely loved the family. I absolutely loved the family. But I found myself in a relationship that really wasn't a match. Um, he had different ideals than I did. He had different goals than I did. He had a different lifestyle than I wanted. Um, he had different biases. He had more biases. He seemed to have more of a um, his, his mindset wasn't as positive as mine in back in the day. And I was easily influenced, it seemed. And I found myself being kind of dragged down by the fact that he seemed negative a lot of the time. And he really worried a lot about money. And I never had worried about money. I'd always known that I would make enough money to do what I needed to do. I always did. I worked since I was 12 years old. And so our values were very different as well. But why did I marry him? So here I am all of a sudden living in the city of Edmonton on my own with two children and no husband. And I've got a great job because I went to work in real estate and I'm trying to identify what went wrong. And I started seeing a psychologist and the psychologist brought it, made it very clear that I was trying to run away from my past. I was running, 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 running. I wasn't paying attention to what I really needed. I was just running. And I was trying to cover up. It's like putting band-aids on wounds. <laughs> I was trying to cover up the hurts that I had, that I was experiencing and that I still held from my growing up years as a young girl in Northern BC. And I tried to do that by marrying this man. But everything I did, it seemed like that's all the things I was trying to prove to the world I was worthy. And so when I went to see Dr. Harshman was his name in Edmonton, fabulous psychologist, wonderful man. What came down was basically all this unpacking of the story of my life around my growing up years and my belief in the fact that I was unworthy and I didn't deserve, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And meanwhile, I'm struggling with raising my own children because when my oldest son would get contrary, and he was contrary, my oldest son was contrary from the day he was born. It was a challenge for me. He's today one of my best friends, and I pray that any of you that have contrary children out there, you work your butt off to build those relationships because it's worth it. He is an amazing man. But when he was young and I was raising him, it was really challenging because my parenting skills were a mimic of the parenting skills that I had learned from my own upbringing. So I had unpacked it too. I realized that it wasn't all just me. It wasn't just me. I wasn't just crazy. 
I wasn't a wreck. I wasn't a mess. I had some quality. There was some skills there. There were things that I was good at. I wasn't all that ugly. I wasn't all that stupid. And I was really starting to find some value in who I was. But the marriage breakdown really threw me as well because I felt like I had failed. That was just another piece of the feeling of failure I'd had my whole life, feeling as a failure as a daughter, failure as a sister, failure as a friend, failure now as a wife, and feeling like a failure as a mother because I was struggling with these relationships with my children. And it took some unpacking. Now, most of you aren't going to have a historical story like I have, I hope. So you don't have to unpack as much, but you're going to have things that you learned about yourself that are not going to be accurate, but you believe. But there's stories you were told by other people about who you are and what you do and what your worth is. And you have to drop it all. And you have to step away from the need for their good opinion. You have to step away from the need for others to value you. And you have to step into your own value. And you have to step into identifying your own worth. And that's what I was doing. And so what happened was I became the extreme opposite. I thought, well, I'm successful now. I was successful in real estate. I did really good. What I learned was that I had gotten into that relationship because I was needy, because I was feeling unworthy, because I didn't feel like I had the power to make choices. I thought I had to do what everybody else wanted and said. So I married a man who was somewhat dominant. So I went into the extreme opposite situation. I ended up marrying again. And I married a man who didn't want to make any decisions and who had some addiction issues. Well, that... (laughs) That was me saving the world. That was me saying, look at me. I've grown up. I'm a big girl now. So here, I'm going to save you. You can see how well that would work, right? So there I went pendulum swung from one extreme to the other. Now, why did I do that? Why did I go into a relationship where I was trying to save this guy? What was it about him that was so special? Well, I was able to feel like I was more powerful. I already felt like I'd been disempowered most of my life. I got into a relationship and a marriage where I felt I was disempowered because money was ruled in that relationship. And I didn't didn't want that. I wanted me to rule. I wanted to be appreciated and I wanted to be loved. And at least that's what I thought. Of course, sometimes you think that's what you're there for, but it's not what you're there for. I was looking to fit in somewhere. And so I married somebody who didn't want to make any decisions and had some addiction issues and really wanted me to run his life. And I did. I stepped in, I took over and I ran his life. But boy, did that get boring fast. And I'll tell you what, uh, that was not a healthy relationship either because it took a while for me to identify that, hey, your addictions are at a point where either you clean it up or I'm out the door. And when I did that, he cleaned it up. Now, if he hadn't made a different choice, if he'd gone in a different direction, I don't know if I would have left. I don't think I would have been strong enough because I was still at a place where I still had self-esteem issues. And I was literally using him as my ladder to propel myself to a place where I could see myself as worthy. And the only way I could do that was by him being and acting and and me seeing him as unworthy. And he was worthy of my teachings and guidance, but he wasn't worthy of my love. (laughs) That's a terrible thing to say, isn't it? But we were married for 11 years and he did get sober. He got clean. Everything cleared up for him. There was a lot of really crazy experiences. And I learned probably more in that very contrary relationship because we had become friends. And when we got married, we were friends first. So that was a good start. But through the marriage, it was very bumpy because he had to go through all of these changes himself. And in the process, so did I. But I learned so much in the journey. I turned around again and said, why? Why did I marry this man? 
And it's the why did I marry this man and get involved with this man that actually helped me move away from those relationships into healthier relationships. And the why that came back to me then was I was trying to prove still that I was worthy. And I had become afraid that if I was to be involved with somebody who was my equal, they would overpower me. They would take over. They would disempower me. And I wouldn't know how to hang on to my own self-worth again and that I would lose. So I had to marry somebody who I saw as being beneath me. Now, let me tell you something. This man was incredibly intelligent, very smart. He worked a laborer's job, but he was very, very intelligent. And if he hadn't gotten into addictions, he would have gone real far in college or university. He just followed the wrong crowd when he was young. Anyway, so that marriage fell apart and he just kind of disappeared. He, there was no further, once I was through with that relationship, the way I ended that relationship was basically, well, you're clean and sober now. I've done what I came to do. It's time for me to go and now look out for me. And that was just the strangest thing in the world because I went through another phase where I all of a sudden wanted to be free. I wanted to be single. My kids were older. Now they're in their teens and they were able to take care of themselves. I had done a good job raising them. I hadn't been a perfect parent, but I had forgiven myself for that. And I have completely let go of the need to parent. I love my boys. They're amazing. And they're best friends with me now. We're, we're close. I ended up single for a while. And then I met another guy, I started a business. And this guy was Mr. Take Control. And this was exactly the man that I was afraid of. This was the man that I didn't want to be involved with because he would take over my life. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. But oh my goodness, he was so sexy. <laughs> and so I you remember me saying, I really went for the physical. I still hadn't figured out emotional and mental and spiritual were components that really mattered in a relationship. And as we got going in a relationship, he really wanted to leave the work he was doing. Uh, and come to work with me, I had an entertainment company. And I said, no, you're not going to do that because you're going to take over. I just know your character. You're going to take over. No, I don't want that. And it was always a power battle between the two of us, but I couldn't let him go. And when I look back now, I'm still married to him and I've been married to him for, I don't know, we're going on 30 years here. So we've been together since 92. Yeah, 1992. And it's 2021 now. So 30 years next year. This guy has become my best friend. When I met him, he was very much what would be called a player. I can remember when I met him that there was one of the girls that I worked with said, are you dating Dave? And I went, yeah, I, I, I kind of am. We're just sort of starting to see each other. You be careful. He's going to break your heart. He breaks everybody's heart. <laughs> and I was like, this is perfect because I don't have to get serious about this guy because he's a player. But it turns out he wasn't such a player. He was a man looking for a place to land. He was also looking, He and he had some of the same exact issues I did, but in a, in a male form. And so both of us came together and we, our, our, our self-esteem issues and our self-worth issues slapped us both in the face. And of course, we had power issues too, because he wanted control. I want to control. I want to be boss. He wants to be boss. <laughs> but he taught me how to relax, how to let go, how to play. And I taught him how to step it up, how to work and be responsible. And together, we built a beautiful, fantastic life. We're both successful. We have both have had great experiences. We've traveled around the world together. We've discovered passions together. We cook in the kitchen together. There's so many things that we love. But through it all, 
all of the things that slapped me in the face with the other relationships I had, I had to resolve. And I did it with him while being in the relationship with him through going to various courses, taking various, we together have gone to counseling. We went to some couples counseling, which was really fun. We laughed our way through that whole process. For some reason, we seemed to think we were beyond that. I kind of think we were. (laughs) Sometimes you get in settings where it's just, it's just really fun. But the simple fact of the matter is you have to always turn around and say, why am I drawn into this? What is it in me that's attracting this? So what I have learned through my journey is that my neediness and my feeling of unworthiness was really standing in the way of me being happy, of me having a relationship that I could be balanced with. And here's why, because you're going to attract what you are. You're going to attract to you exactly what matches the way your thought process is. You're going to attract that and draw that in. And that's why he attracted me and I attracted him because we had some similar thought processes. Yeah, he didn't want anybody controlling him, but he also didn't really want to make all the decisions. So he was a real good blend um, and more uh, of the two men because there was some compatibility in both my previous husbands, but this one was the best match. And this has been of the three relationships, the most challenging and the most difficult at times and the most fun and the most wonderful and the most beautiful relationship I've ever had. Now, that really sort of makes you stop and say, well, gosh, I don't know if I want to work that hard. (laughs) It's so worth it. If you've got somebody that you can say, he's got my back, but if I push him beyond a respect, if I push him too hard and he loses respect for me, he'll walk. If I push him where he thinks I've lost respect for him, he'll walk. I have to be very careful here because he refuses. There was one thing he didn't do. He didn't compromise himself so that I would be happy. He didn't do that, but I would do that on a regular. So that was where we were, we were different. That's where he's, you know, he's uh, Mr. Ground Beef and I'm all turkey. <laughs> we're, we're different in that regard. He didn't compromise himself, but he did grow and I've grown as well. With the relatives that you're born with, they are the ones that set the tone. The parents that you have and the siblings that you have, they're the ones that set the tone for relationships down the road. And if you come away from your primary home, your core family with feelings of unworthiness or feelings of discomfort or feelings of devalued, feelings of not being good enough, not being smart enough, bright enough, pretty enough, capable enough. If you come away and it's deep seated, you have to unpack that or you're going to attract that same person. And if you don't attract that same person, you're going to do what I did in marriage number two. You're going to attract somebody that won't question that brokenness in you because you're fixing them. They're more broken than you are. And that's where addicts can come into the picture. Now, why is it that some families have addicts in their relationships? And I don't think I know too many families don't have families with addictive issues. My family dealt with addictive issues. We all have addictions to something in my family. As siblings, both my brothers are alcoholics. One of them stopped drinking. He was, there were different kinds of alcoholics. One of them stopped drinking and joined AA and got clean and dry. And the other one died in the process of his addiction. My addiction is work. It's always been work. And that's why my husband was so good for me because I was addicted to work and I wasn't allowing myself ever to have fun. And I had this idea in my head that I could, I could always have a great relationship or I could have a great business, but I could never have both. And so I was in conflict myself. I would sabotage my relationships to build my business. And if 
you remember what I said, my first husband, I went into real estate and I became a very good realtor, but my marriage was already on the rocks. My marriage failed completely after that because I thought one worked, but the other didn't. I couldn't have both. I believed I couldn't have both. And with my second husband, I had a heck of a time keeping financially afloat because I was trying to have a successful relationship. So I had no, it seemed like my capability to, to work, I just didn't seem to pan out real well until the end of the relationship when it had already failed. And then I was able to go ahead because the relationship is on the rocks anyways. What you want to do is when you come through relationships, you want to sit down. And if you're having struggles with getting into a relationship, you want to look at your core first. What's your relationship with your mother? What's your relationship with your father? What was the relationship with your very first boyfriend? What kind of very first boyfriend did you have? I remember at high school really liking this one guy. His name was Alan. I liked him so much. But as soon as he turned around and liked me, I didn't like him anymore. And it was because I was afraid. He was really seriously liked me and I didn't feel like I was worthy. And I thought anybody that liked me, they were dumb. They were stupid because I wasn't worth it. Like if I can convince you to like me, that just means I'm a good shyster, doesn't it? it? Just means I'm a good con man or I can talk fast and do talk, talk well. But in fact, it was just, I was, I was terrified of emotions. I was terrified of getting in, involved with anybody that had real emotions and really came away from high school with no serious relationship under my belt at all. You have to always go back to your core family. You have to take a look at what your relationships looked like when you were young. Not what they look like now that you've done all kinds of work and there's all kinds of bandages on them. Take those bandages off. Just peel them off and take a look at that, that core family. And then you have to look at the relationships you have built on and off and why, how they failed and came to be and how they failed from there. There are so many people that continue doing the same thing. And I can't remember who said it, it might've been Einstein, but if you continue doing the same thing over and over, you're going to get the same result. That's what happens in relationships too. And it's insane how some people will continue drawing to them the same kind of person. Then they come and see somebody like me and they say, why, why did I have that? Or why did I have, you know, why did Joe, I, oh, I thought I got rid of that issue with whatever the issue is. And now I'm with Pete and it's the same exact thing. What's wrong? How come I can't seem to find a nice guy? Or how come I can't seem to find a nice girl? And it goes right back to that. You've got to unpack and you've got to take a serious hard look at yourself and what you were taught about relationships as you were growing up, because your relationships are based on your self-identity. And if your relationship with yourself is unhealthy, your relationship with others is going to be unhealthy too. And if you have a fear of intimacy, generally that fear is because you don't want to open up and allow yourself to, to take the risk of of being hurt because you've been hurt so much. And it takes sometimes sitting with a professional, somebody that's in psychology or psychiatry, or even coming and seeing somebody like me. I have a background, some training in psychology and in sociology. And I've done a bit of work in that field, as well as in the spiritual sciences that has really lent itself well to the work that I'm doing now, because I do work with a lot of people with relationships. And I don't think it's right that you have to put your head down on a couch for uh, 12 months and cry your eyes out and relive all these relationships. That's not right. But what I do believe is that spiritually you can move past all, all of this, but you need the tools, you need the training. And that's what it's about tools. Now that's, what's been missing for a lot of people is they don't have any good tools emotional, mental, or physical tools to deal with the adversities that come up in their relationships. And so they'll shut down. So some people will have get into a confrontation with their partner that they'll walk away. 
They'll shut down and they'll walk away. That doesn't resolve anything. Some people get into a confrontation and they're really busy. They want to be right. They don't care how kind or mean they are. They want to be right. So they yell and they scream and they jump up and down because they want to be right. They don't even know if they make sense anymore. Some people get into confrontation with their partners and they will get very physically violent. It's women and men. And that's their way of saying, I'm 12 years old. I can't cope with this. I don't know how. And that's where they got emotionally stuck. Oftentimes when people come to see me, I will help them identify where did they emotionally get stuck in their lifetime. And often the ages between 10 and 14 are primary. That's when young people are starting to identify who they are. They're trying to exert their independence a little bit. They're moving from childhood into their teen years and they're socially very active, that's when I can start really looking at what was happening to you in those years. Oftentimes there was a divorce or there was a move or there was a grandfather died or grandmother died or there was some trauma that happened that has impacted them as well as their self-worth. And so that all plays a role. We come from a generation as well. The baby boom generation has been riddled with divorce. <laughs> I mentioned I've been married three times. Do you think my kids had an easy time with that? They didn't. And did it impact them? One of my sons has been in several relationships. He's been married twice and he wants to get married again. Now, I don't know if this is a situation where I should be flattered <laughs> because he's following in my footsteps, but he has probably grown more than I ever possibly could have at the age that he's at. And the lady that he's with now is a good partner for him. He's grown a lot through his relationships. My other son got married in 2000 and is still married to the same lady. He's been married for over 20 years. He's got three beautiful children and he's steady Eddie. He's that guy. So your children are going to interpret and they're going to unpack what you teach them the best way they know how. And what he picked up from me was get help. <laughs> and my oldest one, I think, did too, both of them. And they both process their relationships in a different way. When you are trying to build relationships, it's so important that you, if you come out of a relationship that didn't work out, before you get into another one, you take a serious look at what fell apart in that relationship and what did you learn? What do you now know about yourself, about the world, and about others in a positive light, and I'm not talking about what, what did you learn in a negative, because that's ego. That's all ego. That's not spirit. But what did you learn about yourself? And what have you learned about the world? And what have you learned about others? And how can you now identify something you know that you want and you know that you desire in a relationship that you weren't aware of before? What I learned in this relationship was where I thought I didn't want somebody that was as powerful as me. I now am so appreciating I'm with somebody as powerful as me. There is areas where he won't make decisions, I will. And areas I won't make decisions, he will, because it's our wheelhouse. And we managed to strike that balance, but it did take 20 years, just about 30 years. <laughs> and sometimes you're afraid of exactly what you need the most. I can tell you this, if you're interested in, in having some chat, you can always give me a shout if you're interested, you and your partner, or if you are single and you're looking for a partner, I do a lot of coaching around relationships and you can always give me a call and we can have a chat about whether or not this might be an appropriate place for you to come and check out this style of work that I do. It's very different. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm a spiritualist and I'm not a religious person. So I'm somebody that will actually meet you where you are and try and bring you to where you want to be, giving you the tools of self-empowerment, the tools of self-respect, the tools of enlightenment and 
and be able to help you step into where you want to go in relationship to partnerships. And you want to make sure when you meet, meet up with somebody that they're a match for you, but not at your dark side and your light side. And between my husband and I, we both have managed to come through some very difficult challenges and we've made it together. And I told him the other day, and he basically agreed, we're, we're in this for the long haul. We're not going anywhere. He's going to be around until I'm no longer around or he's no longer around. I mean, we're not parting ways. It's the way it is. But when you think about where I started, where a lot of you might be in relationships where you're building or trying to build a relationship on your faults and your flaws instead of your strength that can take you around so many times in different relationships and not get you anywhere. So I'm going to suggest that you might want to start doing some list making of appreciation of who you are, your qualities, recognize where your strengths are, and do that before you sit down and start looking at the lessons that you've learned in various relationships, because you want to make sure that you're appreciating your qualities first. That has to be your first priority. Until next time, thanks for showing up and listening, and I'll talk to you in the next podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Medium Well with Psychic Sharon Rose. Any links to books and other resources mentioned in the show are listed in the description below. To learn more about Sharon and what she can offer you, please go to SharonRose.com. That's Sharon with a Y. She also invites you to sign up for Kitchen Witch's six-month workshop series. Details can be found at kitchenwitchin.ca where you can register for the next series that starts on November 1st. Registration is now open. You can also contact her through Sharon Rose Psychic Life Coach and Medium Facebook page. Please follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts so you don't miss any of the conversation. Sharon looks forward to talking with you next time.